do you get off on weird stuff? Monsters. Halloween. Horror. You've heard of word porn. Car porn. And earth porn. Now prepare yourself for... Monster porn. This can't be a good idea. Weird fiction and horror podcast. Created by... The Backwards Hat Guy, Matt Cummins. Why is it raining blood in my house? Puggles, the abomination trapped in the body of an adorable teacup piggy. You have the best fucking funerals, bro! And me, Lita Cultist, Brett Norwood. Today's story is Spanglepuss by Josh Holton. Good day, monster baiters. Here's some bonus for your Monday. Who couldn't use some bonus in their life? We're going to fill this bonus slot with... Didn't you say Cassidy told you to cut down on all the innuendos, Matt? I said nothing offensive about Inuit hoes. Well, we wouldn't want any Eskimos giving you the cold shoulder. Uh-huh. Ah. Things can get real igloo real quick. Look, I'm just saying with a podcast called Monster Porn, we can't give people the wrong impression. What, that our entire brand is built around a sex joke? Actually, that's fairly accurate. I'm going to give you that. So, tell us about today's bonus. Today's story comes from Josh Holton. Josh Holton is an ex-MMA fighter who took one too many blows to the head and now writes warped horror. He quit his stable office job to find fulfillment in the study and practice of storytelling. He now survives on instant noodles but loves his life. I understand the noodle life all too well. (laughs) If you want to help the show, please take a moment to rate and review wherever you listen. It especially helps if you do so on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get discovered and grow, and if there's anything we want, it's to make our bonuses grow. Oh, that was weird. Thank you, and now on to the show. been a whole week now on Dinosaur Island. We have got to get off of it, man. I don't know about you, but I don't know how much longer I can kill time playing the same round of Guess Who with the Ornithomimids. Is he a Synapsid? Is he a Cerisian? Hey, Matt. There's something washing up on the shore. It looks like wood. I'm an expert in that. Maybe we can make a raft. I didn't know you were a carpenter. I'm not. I'm just a fan of wood. It's in the family name. It looks like one of those big cabinet television sets from the 80s. Might be able to build a boat out of all that wood. But at least maybe we can use it to catch up on what's happening in the outside world. Because there's, you know, outlets just all around us. I'm worried they're all the European kind over here. Oh, here's one right below the coconut palm. Huh? Hey, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is that the TV is working and we're picking something up. The bad news is the only thing we're picking up is Fox News. Oh. Wait, did they replace Tucker Carlson with... <laughs> Figurant retirees lick the apple pump! They replaced Tucker Carlson with the free speech Pteranodon? Bust <laughs> the little people! Well, that's not going to help us any. Maybe the building in the middle of the island with the helipad on the other side of the Compsognathus prairies is worth checking out. There is a building with a helipad, and you didn't tell me? Yeah, it's where I've been fetching the drinking water.
Here it is. Whoa, weird. The building's like a blue and white striped box with a golden door. Yeah, it's kind of like a Kleenex box. I'm trying to remember where I've seen one like it before. I swear I've seen it on my favorite news outlet, the conspiracy subreddit. It appears to be modeled after ancient Mediterranean pagan temples, but it's clearly of modern construction. What do you see through the glass? There's a bunch of mattresses and a painting on the wall of a creepy dude in a blue dress. He has a milk mustache. Oh, is that... I have a bad feeling about this. Timmy Thorpe was a runtish ten-year-old, trapped in a garbage can. He was sore and cold, and guessed he was bleeding. His knobbly knees poked out of his ripped jeans and pushed against his chin. His arms were trapped against his sides. His blackened prison was the same width as his shoulders, and it bounced painfully. Over the loud rumble of the vibrating wheels, he heard his tormentors giggling and chattering nervously. I think this is far enough, isn't it, guys? Shouldn't we dump him before someone catches us? Don't be a pussy, Trent. This'll be way funnier if he can't find his way out has to sleep out here. The sneering voice was Gordon's. Ha <laughs> ha, that would be hilarious, tittered Dom. Remember, he's an actual retard. There's no way he'll find his way out from here. Oi, shouted an adult muffled by distance and the plastic walls of the bin. You kids are in serious trouble. How did you get in here? Leg it, shouted Gordon. The bin shuddered as the three boys jostled away from it as fast as they could. The adult's voice growled, suddenly very close to the can. Timmy could hear him panting angrily. The grown-up kicked the can hard, sending the ringing shock through Timmy's bones. He stayed completely silent. This grown-up sounded very angry indeed, and Timmy decided it would be wisest to stay unnoticed. He kept motionless and listened to the grown-up's footsteps and swear words move further away, until he could no longer hear them. He could smell old fruit fermenting and dead fish rotting. He could hear metal scraping and wind rustling thin plastic. He could see nothing. He jumped at the occasional clang of something heavy falling outside. Timmy began rocking his square-bottomed cell, backwards and forwards. His last heave made the can lean precipitously, and it felt like time froze as vertigo struck and Timmy braced for more pain. Eventually, he hit the ground with a thud that made his spine click and he wiggled free into the night outside. It was dark, so it took him a little while to realize where he had been wheeled to. He was at the dump with all the other rubbish. He knew this place was very dangerous. His mom and dad had told him never to go there under any circumstances, and there had been a whole school assembly a few months back to commemorate three children who had died there. Timmy hadn't been friends with any of them. Timmy had no friends. Mom was even in a community group that was working to get the dump closed. She would be furious with him for being here. He had to hurry home. The dump seemed boundless, and he couldn't see an exit through the piles of wet cardboard, broken plastic, and trash bags. 
Everything merged into a foul rubble in the darkness, which made unstable footing over a sea of syringes and rusty wire. The shadow of a barn owl made the moonlight flicker. He flinched and whimpered at the thought of foxes and rats unseen at his feet. As his eyes adjusted to the darkness, he saw away in front of him some sheets of corrugated iron that had been arranged into a makeshift hut. From the pitch-black space within, two yellow eyes with black slits in the centers focused on him. His own eyes strained against the lack of light, and he could make out a shuddering silhouette of a panting, fat body. Just as he thought to turn and run, a light flicked on in the iron hut to reveal the grinning owner of the eyes. Oh, hey there! Sorry if I gave you a fright, said the creature cheerily. His face was broad and whiskered, and he wore a very wide smile. He had a bushy ginger mustache that joined into hefty sideburns. It was a giant ginger cat, stood upright on two furry legs, with the build of a short, chubby man. He sidestepped behind an old cabinet to cover his bottom half, and he lifted a broad, fluffy paw to wave at Timmy. If you're lost, I can help you out, little buddy. Just hold there while I put some pants on. Timmy waited, relieved to see a friendly face, even if it was unusual and unfamiliar. His mom had told him not to talk to strangers, but the jolly warmth of this new acquaintance's purring voice made him feel safe. It was a voice like those of the actors from the kids' TV shows he watched after school. He was excited that something interesting was happening to him. This was like how the adventures started in the books he read to escape from bullies, fighting parents, and homework. He had often daydreamed through school about meeting a friendly and interesting character. The furry ginger cat man skipped across the surface of the rubbish. Careless of the needles and barbed wire that paved his path, he was wearing pale blue suit trousers, held up with a rope, and a yellow tie that nestled against his fluffy white tummy. His puffy tail swished back and forth behind him, through a hole in his trousers. He stretched out his big, soft paw to shake Timmy's hand. Hello, young man! I'm Spanglepuss! Cat of the dump! What might your name be? Timmy? said Timmy, shaking the warm, soft paw with its claws retracted. Well, Timmy, it sure is nice to meet you. Don't get many visitors around these parts, and a cat can get mighty lonesome. What brings you out here, anyhow? A nice boy like you. These stupid guys at school brought me here. They always pick on me and beat me up in homeroom, and today they put me in a garbage bin and drag me out here. Timmy realized he was probably telling this friendly stranger too much, but it felt good to be able to get his problems off of his chest. This creature with big, happy eyes was the first person he had felt comfortable talking to. That is really too bad, Timmy. Those guys sound like jerks. What are their names? Timmy took a deep breath, still shaken by his ordeal and scared to be a snitch. Gordon Manning. Trent Stevens and Dom Harris, he blurted. It's mainly Gordon, though. Trent and Dom leave me when Gordon's not about. I'll see if I can have a little word with them. For now, though, let's get you safely home. 
Spanglepuss led Timmy through a winding path of teetering stained freezers, gooey cans and broken engines, glistening with oil. His cat eyes were much more suited to the darkness than Timmy's, who stumbled through the debris. Most children won't talk to strangers, Spanglepuss said. Even strangers is adorable and cuddly as me. The giant chubby cat did a theatrical turn and swished his white-tipped tail. It shows me that you are a good person, Timmy. Someone I would like to make friends with. Timmy's heart jumped. He wanted a friend more than anything. They arrived at the outer fence, which was too high for Timmy to climb, and the gate was tightly padlocked shut. Oh no. How will I get home? Timmy's bottom lip trembled as he thought about spending a night outside in the cold and dark amongst rodents, filth, and rust. Don't you worry about that, little buddy! Old Spanglepuss will get you out! The dramatic flick of his wrist, he extended five nine-inch claws from his right paw. The claws were jagged and dirty, but made short work of ripping an exit through the wire fence. Thanks so much, Spanglepuss. You are very welcome, Timmy! That's what friends are for! Say, do you want to stay here with me a little longer? I can't said Timmy, his shoulders drooping. My parents will already be cross that I'm not home. It's just I've... I've been so lonely here, Spanglepuss continued. Foxes and seagulls are mean to me and take my food. Maybe I can be your pet and come home with you. Spanglepuss, that would be awesome, but my parents would never let it happen. Well, they don't have to know, Timmy. It could be our little secret. Just you and me. All best buddies keep secrets with each other. They took all the less-traveled paths back to Timmy's house. Spanglepuss was keen not to be spotted, and would cower behind shrubbery, cans, and trees if he saw anyone approaching. But it was a quiet night. They took narrow paths between high garden fences, sometimes cutting through people's property, hopping over gates and under washing lines. In the crisp, early night, lit only by televisions through windows. At the top of the path that led to Timmy's home, there was a mesh iron fence on their right. A huge body crashed against it, barking, slavering, and clawing. Timmy jumped and Spanglepuss grabbed him, hiding behind the young boy, a firm grip on his shoulders. Timmy felt the slight scratch of retracted claws. A light went on in the garden, and a man started shouting at his dog to be quiet. It was a large Alsatian that seemed darker than most. Timmy and Spanglepuss ran further down the path. Spanglepuss was first to lose his breath, and Timmy noticed the cuddly catman was crying. Timmy! I was so scared! wheezed the giant ball of ginger fluff. Please hold me. Timmy put his arms around Spanglepuss, who pushed Timmy's head firmly into the warm white fur on his chest. He sniffed Timmy's hair and exhaled deeply with a coarse grunt. Let's get going. My parents will be getting madder by the second, said Timmy, having to use more strength than he would have liked to break the grip of his new friend. Back at his house, Timmy asked Spanglepuss to hide in the empty shed at the bottom of the garden. His parents didn't put anything in it for fear of thieves in the area. 
Mom and Dad frequently shouted at each other because Dad was too tired from work to take it down. The giant cat, in the tie and trousers, was barely visible in the shed's dark shadow. I'll bring you some breakfast tomorrow and we can work out something more comfortable, said Timmy. I'm glad you're here, he added with a toothy smile through swollen, scabbed lips. Don't worry, Timmy. I'm very good at hiding. Especially in the dark. The voice seemed to come from nowhere in particular. Timmy walked up to the back door, shocked as the security light flashed purple dots into his eyes. His mom was waiting in the doorway. Timothy, where have you been? Your father is furious. We were so worried. Mom was still in her catering uniform, so Timmy guessed she had stayed late again to tidy up after an event. This usually made her cranky. She grabbed his wrists and pulled him into the light of the kitchen, where his father sat with a cup of tea and a frown, also still in his dirty work overalls. Mom twisted Timmy's chin left and right to inspect him and said, Oh, God, what happened to you? Was it that little shit Gordon again? Christ, you're bleeding. Timmy crumpled into his mother's warm body and began to sob hysterically. His dad huffed and stormed off upstairs, leaving a draft as he left. As Timmy's mom held her crying son, she looked out of the kitchen window over his shoulder. She thought... She saw a flash of two yellow eyes in the darkness. She shivered and drew the blinds. Let's get you a hot chocolate and up to bed. The next morning, Timmy's dad slammed his coffee mug on the table, splashing coffee and rattling the breakfast bowls and cutlery. You would not believe the size of the cat shits in our garden. They almost look human. Which of the neighbors even has a cat? I mean, I see the thing. I'll spade it. He yanked his hard hat off the back of his chair, nearly toppling it. He slammed the door on his way out to work. Timmy took his lunchbox off his mom, resigned to the fact that the contents would be stamped on and crushed before he got to eat them. He went outside, and when he saw his mom had left the kitchen to get dressed for work, he pocketed a slice of toast and hurried to the shed to see Spanglepuss. He opened the door, but the shed was empty. There were deep claw marks up the inside, and the wood had splintered from the force of them. The shed stank of pee, and there were large damp puddles in the corners. I'm behind you, buddy, said Spanglepuss. Timmy turned around. Good morning. Did you sleep okay? he asked. I had a wonderful sleep, beamed at the jolly, mustachioed cat. It makes... All the difference, knowing I can go upstairs and see my best pal any time I want. I need to go to school now, Spanglepuss. But I'll see you tonight and we can hang out. I can't wait, said Spanglepuss, who watched Timmy walk away. I have plenty to be getting on with whilst they're gone. Timmy had a better day at school than usual. The lessons seemed to pass more quickly as he planned what he and his new best friend could do when he got home. They could maybe explore the woods, or go for a picnic or play catch. They could do anything he heard the other kids chatting about, but never got invited to join in with. Even better, Gordon didn't show up to lunch, so he hadn't been hassled. 
and his crisps and sandwiches were still in one piece when he ate them. Timmy read the embarrassing note from his mom telling him she loved him, and nobody ripped it up or insulted her. When Gordon wasn't there, Trent and Dom left him be. They were a sheep without a shepherd. The hands of the clock dragged themselves through the afternoon's math lesson, as though they belonged to a dying man. But finally the bell rang, and school ended. Even though Timmy hated school, this was the first time he had been excited for the end of the day. He knew no one was going to get him. He ran home, giddily, without so much as a threat against him. On the way home, there were police outside of the house where the scary Alsatian lived. Timmy only stood at a round waist height to the gathered officers, so he could not see what was going on, but he lingered. He overheard two of the police talking. Yeah, it was really sick. You can say that again. How does anyone even go about doing that? Well, the injuries suggest some sort of implement was inserted. And whatever it was, it was big. Terrible way for such a loyal pet to die. Yeah, doing what dogs do best, no doubt. Protecting its home and master. I hope we catch the pervert freak that did this. Timmy didn't dare look too closely at the crime scene, as he didn't want to see anything gory. He did see, however, an officer in white overalls stoop down and use a pair of tweezers to pick up several large tufts of ginger fur. They couldn't have belonged to the Spanglepuss as they were on the inside of the fence in the Alsatian's yard. Besides, Spanglepuss had been terrified of the dog, so Timmy doubted he would have gone back to it. He got home and Mom and Dad were still at work, but Spanglepuss was there, waiting for him outside the garden shed. Hey, Timmy! I missed you today. What do you want to do? asked Spanglepuss. First we'll make food to take on a picnic, said Timmy very quickly, with a huge smile on his face. That's a great idea, said Spanglepuss. I'm ravenous. They went through to the kitchen and emptied the fridge and cupboards. So what do you want to eat? asked Timmy. Meat, Spanglepuss replied. I'll make ham sandwiches then. Timmy made their sandwiches in a flash, and they ran off via the back paths into the woods. The police had left, and Timmy felt a little guilty for being relieved that they weren't barked at by the scary dog this time. They headed up through an RV park that sheltered in the lee of the woods, and continued to a clearing through the trees. They had some privacy, but they could still see glimpses of the RVs. Let's make a bonfire, Timmy! said Spanglepuss. Fire is super fun! I used to spend a lot of time at the dump smashing things and burning them. It's really cool. They built the biggest pile of sticks Timmy had ever seen, using fallen branches they collected. The drier wood works better. Avoid greener sticks and use dead stuff, Spanglepuss advised. Timmy collected armfuls of sweet-smelling sticks making sure there weren't any creepy crawlies on them, both because they scared him and because he didn't want them to burn alive. Those sticks are perfect, Timmy. Really well done. Let's get this baby burning. Spanglepuss rummaged in his pocket and pulled out a box of matches. 
I never go far without these in my pocket. He struck a match and lit the dry leaves and grass that they had piled at the bottom, blowing gently to antagonize the flames into catching. The fire caught and the scented smoke enveloped Timmy, warming him through to the soul. He looked at his new friend, who stared vacantly into the flames. His characteristic smile had slipped from his face and the flames gyrated in his yellow eyes. The two friends sat by the fire until it was dark, eating their sandwiches and playing cards. Let's go home, Timmy, said Spanglepuss. I have a present for you. I've never had a present from a friend before. Thank you, Spanglepuss. Timmy smiled. Spanglepuss's smile stretched further around his whiskered face as he said, I can't wait to see your reaction. It's going to make you love your pal Spanglepuss even more. Back at Timmy's house, Spanglepuss prowled back and forth in the garden, whilst Timmy opened the back door. He shouted to his parents that he was home. None of the lights were on, and he got no response, so they must have both been working late again. He returned to his big furry friend outside. Spanglepuss let out an abrupt, high-pitched giggle. His paw held up to his mouth. Go in the shed, Timmy. Your present is in there. You go first. I promise you'll like it. Not that he would tell his new friend, but Timmy didn't feel comfortable in the dark. He was scared to open the door of the shed and witness the blackness within. The old wood was riddled with woodlice and spiders. Don't be a scaredy cat, said Spangopus. Timmy wanted his present and didn't want his friend to think he was a scaredy cat, so he slowly opened the creaky door. He heard flies buzzing and insects quietly gnawing and tapping. The smell reminded him of the dump. He could see nothing, so he reached his hand in and fumbled along the wall for the light. He switched it on. He squealed. Spanglepuss shouted, Surprise! Gordon was lying flat on his chest in the middle of the room, like a hairless bearskin rug. His eyes stared blankly up at Timmy bloodshot and dry, his tongue lolling from his open mouth. Skinny white ankles protruded from the bottom of Gordon's jeans, a symptom of the recent growth spurt that had made him tower over his classmates, particularly Timmy. Spanglepuss, what have you done? whispered Timmy, eyes wide. I didn't want this. I did not want this. Sure you did, Timmy. Gordon was a jerk. Didn't you have a nice day without him? Spanglepuss, you have to leave. This is terrible. This is a terrible thing. Go away. Get out. I'm calling the... Don't be a little cunt, Timmy! Spanglepuss shouted. Slobber sprang from a mouth that had sharper teeth than before. So many teeth they didn't all fit, and some of them jagged out at strange angles. His eyes bulged bloodshot. Timmy bolted and ran into the house, not sacrificing time to switch the lights on. He heard padded paws following him at great speed. He tipped the flimsy plastic kitchen table behind him and saw Spanglepuss crash through the door on all fours, running like a cheetah. Timmy tore through the hall and swung around the banister to fly up the stairs to his room, the murderous cat on his heels. When he got to the landing, he realized he was no longer being chased, but he shut himself in his room, regretting his parents' decision to take the lock off the door. He turned on all of the lights, 
including his nightlight and lava lamp, then rushed into the bed in all his clothes. He stared at the door. He knew Spanglepuss was behind it. Please let that fight, Timmy. I love you. You are all Spanglepuss, Bethany's only friend. I did what I did for you. Can I come in? Timmy knew he didn't like Spanglepuss anymore. He was terrified of it. He saw past the clean fluff, the friendly smile, and the jolly purrs, and recognized it for the vicious monster it really was. He dared not do anything to anger the creature. It opened his bedroom door and walked in with big, sad eyes, slumped shoulders, and drooping ears. Let's never fight again, Beth, buddy, said the ginger monster. Can I sleep with you in the bed tonight, please? Timmy's teeth clenched. Sure, he said, hoping Spanglepuss couldn't see the sweat on his brow, the quiver of his bottom lip, or hear the crack in his voice or his pounding heart. I'll go sleep in Mom and Dad's room. No, said Spanglepuss. We'll snuggle in your bed. Spanglepuss switched off all the lights, even Timmy's nightlight, next to his bed. Timmy scrunched his eyes shut, attempting to force sleep over himself. He heard Spanglepuss's trousers drop to the floor. He felt the depression of the mattress and heard the springs squeak as they took Spanglepuss's weight. It scrambled under the duvet at the foot of the bed and Timmy tried to ignore it. First he felt its cold, heaving breath on his toes. Then Spanglepuss shimmied its way over Timmy's body until they were face to face. Timmy was completely trapped under the furry weight. The cold breath on his face was moist and smelled of meat. Spanglepuss licked Timmy's cheek. The long, rough tongue scraped down to the thin, sensitive skin of his neck. Timmy knew he shouldn't say anything, as he didn't want to end up like Gordon. I don't like this Spanglepuss, said Timmy, before he could stop himself. The cold, slimy tongue paused on his jugular. There was silence for a few tense seconds. Timmy's skin tingled where the trail of saliva evaporated. Okay, Timmy sighed Spanglepuss, rolling off of the boy. Night-night! Timmy didn't sleep. He could see Gordon's vacant eyes staring up at him, whether his own eyes were open or closed. He listened for the sounds of his parents coming home. He never wanted them more. He waited for the monster at his side to fall asleep, so he could call the police. Spanglepuss's breathing was heavy and his bulk gave off a lot of sweaty heat. He smelled of raw black pudding. After what seemed like hours, the breathing turned into rasping snores. Timmy dared to peel back the covers, ever so slowly and silently. The cat rolled over to face him and put its heavy, tiger-like paw over his chest. Timmy couldn't breathe properly under its weight. He slowly and carefully put both hands around Spanglepuss's wrist and lifted the huge limb up over his head. He went to put it down softly on his pillow, 
but the weight was too much for him and he dropped it with a thud. There was a flash of yellow eye and pointed tooth, but the eyelids and lips returned to slumber and the snoring resumed. Timmy was free to quietly slip out of bed and tiptoe to the phone in the hall. He stepped onto the landing as slowly and lightly as he could, his eyes straining wide in the darkness. He timed his footsteps to match with the gruff snoring of the sleeping predator. Each step was a terrifying gamble, driven by the rhythm of blood-soaked breath. He gritted his teeth when his clothes rustled and silently begged the floorboards to stay quiet. He looked behind him to ensure he was not being pursued and saw that his parents' door was ajar. His tummy and his heart seemed to swap places. He saw that the door was propped open by his mother's severed head, staring past his ankles with eyes as wide as his own. He had to physically hold his mouth shut, but still two huge sobs escaped as his terror and sadness poured down his face amid stinging tears. The silhouetted, motionless heap behind her was his dad. Timmy tried to keep quiet, but he had lost the ability to time and soften his steps. He creaked and thudded down the stairs as the snores of the giant cat spluttered briefly and then regained their rhythm. Timmy picked up the phone's cordless receiver. The click it made as it lifted sounded like a gunshot in the otherwise silent night. The snoring stopped. Timmy dialed 911 and whispered, with bursts of blubbering volume, for the police to come to his house. His mom and dad were dead and the killer was upstairs. The lady at the end of the phone asked his address and told him to stay on the line but get out of the house. Out of Timmy's eyeline, a giant ginger cat stalked silently down the stairs on all fours, poised to pounce. Hello, are you still there? asked the operator. There was no response. The line was dead. Save! Wait. I remember why I've seen this building on the internet. Get down! Down? It's hardly the time for breakdancing. Hey! Don't pull me by the brim of my hat. Rude! They're landing at the temple. It's just as I suspected. Look! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the place where fantasy comes to life. Here, in my world, you can reap the rewards you've been earning by becoming gods among men. Who here is ready to peg a stegosaur? Holy Lolita, Batman. It's Jeffrey Epstein! And he's running a new operation. Welcome to my uh, Jurassic Park. Emphasis on the Essex. You're surprised? What, did you think he killed himself? Bro, that's insulting. I'm not stupid. And look who's disembarking with him. Oh my god. It's Kill Blinton. Uh, 
I swear I did not have sexual intercourse with that Dimetrodome. And President Dump? Well, well, I hear, I hear you, Bill. But if you want to make it very superb, it's gotta be, it's going to be excellent, okay? It's excellent. It's gonna be the very best. But what you gotta do to make it with them, to make it very, very, very good, is you gotta grab them by the Parasaurolophus. And I could really use that Triceratops ride right now. Killery. Uh, uh, I'm with her. And who is that? I believe that is Prince Andrew. Yeah, who's that? No fucking idea. I'm American. Oh, there's someone else. Everybody gets a Triceratops ride! Oops. The Pope of Wine Moms wants the D, and by D I mean dinosaur? There's another. It's been four score and seven years since I last loved a thunder lizard. Abraham Lincoln? What? Don't tell me you thought he was dead, too. Shit. All the world leaders and somebodies are coming to Epstein's Island to fuck captive dinosaurs. This is the biggest scandal since... Since a few months ago when they were fucking captive miners on a different island. We've got to get off of Dinosaur Erotica Island. We've got to break this story to the press. So they can sit on it and not ask anyone the obvious hard questions? Something like that. Come on. Oh, shit, they've seen us. Stop those men. They're firing blasters at us. Where did they get stormtroopers? Hold on, take cover. Who's that? The man in the dark cloak slowly approaching the helipad. He looks like a Jedi. He has something like a lightsaber. He's throwing off his hood. Anthony Bourdain? Wasn't he dead? Yes. Yes, I actually think this one is a ghost. Uh, you struck me down. I have become more powerful than you can imagine. Kill Blinton is challenging him to a saber duel with his erect pe- Is that his penis or is that a cigar? <laughs> Now's our chance, Matt. Don't look back. Let's bolt. We can take that helicopter and strand them here with their real-life bad dragon toys. But what about the poor dinosaurs, Brett? The Stegosaurus and the... God, what are they going to do with the Triceratops' horns and the T-Rex's short little arms? Leave it to PETA, Matt. At least they're not, you know, for example, impressionable and vulnerable young women who are being preyed upon for the unilateral sexual gratification of powerful people. (laughs) At least that's not happening, right? At least it's not like some kind of elite human trafficking, right? At least they're not forcing actual human beings to massage Matt Groening's gross feet, right? Right? Isn't that exactly what they were doing up until like a few months ago? Oh yeah, that's right. You forgot? Yeah, didn't everybody kind of forget? Monster Porn Podcast is a production of Warbox Media. (laughs) That name kind of sounds like my wife. Today's story was Spanglepuss by Josh Holton. Now that's a title I can get down with, you dig? Bill, Bill, you, got, you, Bill you gotta get in there and you gotta grab that Spanglepuss before it gets away. Music by Brett Norwood. That is, that is fake news. Goodbye!
Good day, Monsterbaiters. Brett here. If you enjoyed this episode of Monster Porn first, put down Taken by the T-Rex. Still a better love story than Twilight. And second, be sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast app and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute and is the best way for a true Monsterbaiter to support the show. Also, be sure to check out the official Monster Porn store at monsterpornpodcast.com store. We've got t-shirts, moms love monster porn mugs, phone cases, stickers, caskets, firearms, you name it. Go give Josh Holton a follow on Twitter, at jholtonwriter. That's Holton with a T. And tell him how fucked up and awesome Spanglepuss was. We loved it. Are you a weird writer like Josh Holton? See our website for submission guidelines. We're open now. That's it. Until the shark angels come, stay weird. And Godspeed, Strange Cowboy. Little buddy. Oh, Fanglepuff will get you out. I just spat over the fucking keyboard. I can't wait, said Spanglepuff. I, I can stop lisping now. Narrating. I have plenty to be getting on with while you're gone. Fuck, whilst. I have to say whilst is Spanglepuff. Wealth! 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 I have plenty to be getting on with once you got. <laughs> so much tongue. So much tongue. As he planned what he and his new beast. Not beast friend. I mean, yeah, he's a beast friend, but that's not what it says. It says best friend. <whistles> Smang. Smanglepusses. Smanglepush. Smanglepuss let out an abrupt. Abrumped. <laughs> All best buddies keep secrets with each other. Oh my god, my mouth is just a fucking rainbird sprinkler right now. Huh. That's kind of sexy. Everybody get to the chopper. I almost put that in there. <laughs> get down. This is hardly the time for breakdancing. Hey, don't pull me up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, hey, Bill, no, I, I disagree. Bill, Bill, stop talking, all right? Stop talking. You're not very smart. I'm the brightest, I'm the smartest, I'm the best, I'm the most perfect, okay? You got to listen to me. If you're going to get in there, no, hey, 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 you know, no, stop that guy back there, okay? Hey, you see the guy with the weird things in his hair? They're kind of like, like they're all bunched up and braided, and he's got that weird dark thing going on with his skin. Somebody throw him out of the room. All right, hey, send him some nice Trump steaks. Uh, and we'll get some wine in there, maybe give him a red tie. Yeah, that's how we make America great again, all right? <laughs> hey, you know, was that a woman speaking? Somebody somebody grab that pussy. Some- <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> oh, <thank God. laughs>